Ladies and gentlemen, bilingual poet and actor, Rodney Garza. Loose the pass, light of peace. Thanks for the love. Give us, give us, give us. Mock, mock, mock. Of the loose, of the loose, of the loose of fire. Give us, give us, give us. Mock, mock, mock. Of the loose, of the loose, of the loose of They say, if you look at a blinding light, you may be bound to lose your sight. But if you never see the light at all, you risk a mind that may stay small. Some people get it. Some figure it out. Some have no clue and will never know what it's about. The age of enlightenment has come and gone. The unenlightened seem to have all but won. The age of reason has unfashionably fallen out of season. We've gone back to glorifying that character played by Gleason. You know, the guy who always promised that one day he put up right in her kisser. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure if she left him, that fool would cry because he'd miss her. <laughs> We've devolved into the age of road rage behind a mobile monster cage. We're also part of the age of the worldwide stage where predators for those performing underage. <laughs> Wearisome war continues to be the new world order of the day. Many who call themselves right still spill hostility about all things gay. Unprofit-like, for-profit corporations treat third world nations as personal slaves. Double-dealing agencies spend gazillions trying to stop people from enjoying raids. <laughs> High society steps into the spot that bathes them in a cesspool of light. Cartels learn from superpowers how to get things done through might. The revival of medieval obscurantism serves fairly unbalanced news. Those who whistle sensitive and crucial leaks become subjects of abuse. When the light at the end of the tunnel seems to slowly transform into a transnational bowel-filled funnel, don't despair. Show you care and Share your ever-glowing luminescence. Let us freely fill the air with our flicker and let the forces of ignorant darkness feel our presence. Show us your light. Share with us your very own special insight. Light us up 
so that we may peacefully sip our cup. Give us, give us, give us! My, 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 something new, something new, something new, so box. Give us, give us, give us! My, 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 something new, something new, something new, so box. Welcome to The Journey. This is our Poets Roundtable series, Episode 2. Sitting at the roundtable today are two West Indian poets, Rick Couchman and Brian Morrison. So fill up your glasses and cups and gather around for a poetic exploration of sex, suffering, and spirituality. As they prepare to enthrall us, here is poet and author of six books, all the way from St. Louis via Longview, Texas, to star our hearts and minds and souls, none other than the talented and beautiful mother of six, ex-Blue Rain, Heaven's Key. I heard a minister say that my womb is sacred. A place where God makes his greatest creations, that in between my legs is not a place of recreation. And anyone who gets to lay with me must consider it a blessing, but here's the lesson. Because sisters, we keep letting unbelievers into heaven, giving out free slurpy samples like it's 7-Eleven. No wonder many brothers believe that salvation is free. But there's a cost to everything, and no matter what, we pay. We pay in tears, and we want him to stay, but he can't. Because every night his wife is expecting him to lay with her. How about when we let them in when they say, hey, boo-boo, <laughs> hey, boo-boo, you know I love you. All noun, no verb, allowing verbs to fertilize our foliage so he has no inspiration to see our worth. Clean hands mean no work so he can't fertilize our earth. Angry wounds and broken hearts so what's left, no wonder we birth gods of destruction and death. And yes, we can blame the men, but the responsibility of guarding us starts with self. You are your own gatekeeper. Stop leaving the doors open to heaven, expecting someone else to take care of it. I mean, love yourself, love your health. And dis-ease has more than just to do with STDs. It has to do when your spirit bleeds because you've allowed an energy into your soul carrying disrespect, disregard, and is uncontrolled. I mean, why give such a weak man a stronghold on your ability to produce? And I'm sorry, but ladies, if you call him an ain't-shit nigga, that probably means you're an ain't-shit bitch, too. So then what... Should we do? We should stop living lies and daily walk in truth. See, we are queens and goddesses, beautiful in spirit. Our melanin is our connection to the universe, the earth and the sun, which is why we glow when we in it. I mean, live in the ISIS spirit. One king for your queen. One God for your heaven. Stop letting jokers in it. You're not a football field, so please stop letting him play with you. If he spit one thing and live another, you're Cleveland and he's LeBron James in you. No. <laughs> no different than the slave master's speech that seems so sweet. He enslaving you, but because he looks like you, it's cool. 
And yes, everybody plays the fool sometimes. I wish one time we do, but ladies, y'all know how we do. We be like, girl, he got a good job, nice car, big dick, and he fine too. I get it. But will he provide for you? Take care of your needs and provide for your seeds. I mean, does he love you enough to put on a condom or does he have raw expectations with ease? Does he get into your heaven without having a lifetime admission and no fee? Keep giving heaven away like penny candy. You're going to find yourself pennies away from loving, happiness, praying for God to set you free. Kind of hard for him to do that when you're the one that holds the key. That's that piece. I'm your host, Neville D'Angelo. You are on the journey. Along the journey, we stop at intriguing places and meet fascinating people with novel solutions to some of life's tricky questions. And we play a few games and track the remarkable characters of three classic books, A Soundbite Life, Flight of the Fused Monkeys, and Illicet, A Time to Begin Again, all of which can be found on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Seated at our Poets' Round Table is our featured guest, the Dean of Students at New York's Robert Louis Stevenson School, Rick Couchman. An exceptional student advisor, he has taught a wide range of subjects, including great books, writer's workshop, philosophy, computers, and martial arts. He is a softball, basketball, and athletics coach, and expert backpacker who is always ready to share his love of the outdoors with others and he is about to be honored at this year's Stevenson Gala. Congratulations. Rick Couchman is author of Musings from Outside the Universal which you can obtain from Amazon.com. He is joined at the table by fellow West Indian poet, a corporate project manager Mr. Brian Morrison. Both of these men are proud fathers. Mr. Rick Couchman hails from Guyana. Mr. Brian Morrison was born in Jamaica. Join me as I pull up a chair at this virtual Poets Roundtable. Hey, Brian. Hey, Brian. I uh, I was thinking the other day about uh, uh, about Sam's uh, poetry, and Sam is uh, was supposed to be with us, but he couldn't be here unfortunately. And I know that some of his uh, poems uh, are not all, of them, but you know a few of them. They are sort of on the erotic side. And um, now I'm not I'm not into writing a lot of uh, erotic uh, poetry, though sort of underlying my poetry. There is that sort of eroticism, uh, as it were, but but not as as as, as overtly as, as overtly as some people might uh, include uh, in their poems. Okay. But I like his poems and the sort of uh, visceral eroticism that that comes out in them. And I'm wondering, um, you know, what's your take on the the place of uh, of, of 
of sexual of sex uh, in poetry, um, and especially how its influence on, on modern poetry. Okay, well, you know, uh, sex and, and sexuality is, is, is a very common theme in, in, in today's society, right, Rick? Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it's used to promote and, and market every conceivable uh, product that, that's out there. And, and in a sense, that also helps to kind of strip away of the sacredness of, of sex, uh, for lack of a, a better word, right? Yeah. And it also exposes a, a raw and unfeeling attitude among young people towards sex and, and sexuality. Now, now this, to me, kind of leaves their, their bodies as, as mere merchandise, right? And this, I think, is, is depicted in, in most of today's uh, modern music, especially rap, which is also a, a, a form of uh, a poetry. Right. Now, what's interesting is that um, I remember I, I posted a quote on my uh, Facebook page uh, the other day, and it was a quote from uh, Song of Solomon. Um, it's that uh, one of the uh, books in the Bible. And what is interesting about Song of Solomon, um, you know, life with poetry, of course, is that it is highly erotic, but not erotic in this, um, you know, ridiculous way uh, or this uh, way, but there's a rich eroticism about it. It's a, a, an eroticism that is real, that um, celebrates uh, the human body, that celebrates that that passion and feeling uh, between uh, uh, two individuals. And uh, you know, he uh, the, the, the poet in that uh, book talks about uh, celebrates the, the the woman's breasts, uh, the succulence of her lips. Um, uh, you know her, her her richness, her voluptuousness, and uh, but there's nothing um, uh, ridiculous about it or demeaning about it. It's a celebration of the human body and this wonderful uh, experience that uh, uh, couples uh, uh, can can engage in. And, and you know, Rick, and, and I quite agree with that. And that's why I, I when I said earlier about you know our bodies, both male and female bodies are. The, the object of merchandising. This this strips away from what it is to to carry around in a in a very meaningful way poetry and the body and sex and sexuality. I got uh, you. But, let, but yeah. let, can I can I pose a question to you guys? Um, it, it, we're talking about eroticism in the old-fashioned way, as say in scripture or of the eroticism of the Renaissance era, but what is different now? What, why, why is the, the modern eroticism not as beautiful as the ones that you guys are depicting? Well, well to me, uh, there is, there is a, a overt, I think, a very disrespectful manner in which um, especially young people, look at themselves and describe themselves. So it's up to me as a poet, therefore, to make sure that I don't go, this, go that route. And I try to make poets, my poetry, especially as it regards to sex and sexuality and the human body, as beautiful as, as possible. The other thing, yeah, yeah, the other thing too is that um, there's, there's a rawness to it. And not only that, uh, it is suggestive of uh, a sort of a unilateral experience. The whole idea
idea of, of the engagement between two individuals is pretty much lost because it's, uh, it's engagement for, for self, uh, for self-fulfillment rather than engagement for mutual fulfillment. So there is the, what is missing is that recognition of uh, the, the enjoyment or the pleasure uh, for the other individual or the mutual uh, pleasure that uh, can be derived from an experience that it's, uh, it, is, it is very sexual or sort of uh, tenuously sexual or fleetingly sexual. Um, what it is today, it is more, the emphasis is more on satisfying the self uh, rather than engaging in that mutual uh, symbiotic um, uh, bliss and pleasure uh, that is available for the experience. Morrison will share with us one of his poems, Heaven's Gate. Now where do I begin? Where do I start to chart this ancient tale of the heart? When I first laid eyes on you, a gazelle strutting through the crowd, lost in a sea of rainbow-colored hues, natural, nothing fake, lover of thyself, your walk, your talk, so surreal. Could she for me really feel? Or when I first ran my fingers through your dark and nappy hair, holding you close, whispering, sensing your passion rising, me, you, straddled on grandma's chair as your beautiful smile disappeared, big brown eyes filled with tears. It was then at heaven's gate my heart raced, sealing my fate. Oh, let this feeling forever reign. Systolic veins dance on chains, leaving us weak, dizzy, fainting, cells begging for air, asphyxiating. Hold on, wait, let me come with you. This perennial addict, slave of your love, send me soaring on stars above, all because at heaven's gate I stoop and seal my face. Good indeed, Brian. Yes, Rick. Now, how um, I, I I sense the sensuality. Now, is there a difference between sensuality, sexuality, and eroticism as a poet? How do you maneuver around those? Are they all the same thing, or are they different? And how do you maneuver around it? Well, well, they're all connected, uh, Neville. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Sexuality. They're all, all connected. It, it's for the poet to sort of make sure when you're breaking it down that, that that thin line kind of separates them so it can be identified with the audience. Mm-hmm. And then the poet uh, wants to sort of have a kind of a tantalizing approach uh, to it. You don't want to actually get to the thing, whatever that thing is. Mm-hmm. What you want to do is to basically dance around it. And the beauty of poetry is that it, it teases you. And it, is, it, it, it brings you up close, very up, uh, up close and personal, where you know, it, it arouses desire. Um, you're almost about to touch it, mm-hmm. and then it's gone from you in a sense. Uh, not gone away forever, but you can have that experience again. So the poet 
is constantly uh, uh, what he or she does. He is teasing the reader, uh, as it were, and um, uh, tantalizing them uh, with the with with the the emotions and everything that goes with that to sort of uh, make the experience something that is to be desired and sought after um, that is not necessarily uh, gotten, as it were. And that's the beauty of it. I have one here um, that I wrote while I was on the subway. And it's called Rapture. I saw him. Our eyes met, and I fell in love. I saw him again. He smiled at me. I smiled at him. He asked my name. I yearned for him. And after that, I never saw him again. That's the kind of tantalizing, uh, teasing uh, that I'm talking about. It's almost, um, it's almost yeah. cruel, though. I like, I, I, like, <laughs> I like it. I like that. <laughs> well, it's it's not cruel, but um, the thing is that if, if you if you if you terminate upon the experience, then right. you know you go away, and there is nothing to there's nothing, right. and so you right. want to always have the experience living before you. No, I and the way to have the experience living before you is really sort of, uh, sort of put the line out there and and dangle it before the. Uh, yeah, no, no, that's that's the beauty of it. What, when I said cruel, I didn't mean cruel in a barbarous way. <laughs> that cruelty, I, yeah. but in terms of as you said, wanting to hang on to, it's like uh, grabbing at something beautiful, but it's slipping through your fingers. Right, right. And, and you know something, Rick. The way that that poem ended. It, a lot of people have that experience where they see this this person you know one time yes. and it's just fleeting and um, they will live their life forever wanting to you know wondering what would have happened right. you know right. and remembering the experiences as well and it, it, you know forget about what could have happened right. it's that it's that experience in itself that moment right. where two individuals locked eyes and in that moment of locking eyes we have this 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 yes this feeling of passion and and sensuality and eroticism yeah. and you know it and uh you, you, there's no there's not necessarily a desire to to um bring anything to completion but it's just that meeting that moment that 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 is infinite in itself because you keep remembering it you will never forget it you know now, is that do you guys, uh, both of you have, um, and I don't want to call it subtle because there's nothing, I don't know if a subtle would be the right word, but comparing that or contrasting that from the rawness that you were objecting to earlier, um, is, is am I capturing the point that you guys were making earlier? I mean, you're referring to young people. I don't know if it's just young people alone. You're saying the, the sexuality or the sex in today's poetry is so raw, so in your face that it it destroys something. Am I, I is that the difference? Am I getting it? Well, well, the the difference is that like a total of a lack of respect towards the next person, your body, his or her body. 
Right. You know, that, that's what I think separates them. And, 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 and when I referred to uh, earlier on about, you know, the, the merchandising of bodies, this is what I think kind of just destroys um, the, the, what you call the, the, the flow then, so to speak, of mm. wanting to be sexual and respected. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think uh, we are knocking poets who um, uh, address the issue of uh, sexuality and sensuality and eroticism in their poems. I think when they do that, what they're basically doing, however they, 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 they capture it in their poems, what they're basically focusing on is, is that, that, that moment of experience, mm -hmm. which is so uh, absolutely important. But in terms of the critique, the critique is of the, uh, the, the ethos that is in society as far as uh, it relates to matters of sexuality and eroticism and sensuality and stuff like that. Um, it's the approach to it where uh, the individual on the other side is not valued or I as a recipient um, uh, is, might not be valued. Correct. But it's the uh, more self-pleasing aspect of it that uh, is sort of the thing, rather than the mutual satisfaction of uh, individuals involved. Um, but as as far as the poets themselves are concerned, who are dealing with the experience, mm -hmm. what they're basically doing are presenting that which they are seeing, and 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 that's fine. I have absolutely no problem with. Uh, with the way a poet uh, might present it, because I get it. What the poet is doing is, is presenting that, taking that slice of life experience and presenting it, letting it unfold and blow up, you know, so that uh, people can feel the richness of the experience as it were. So would you guys say that modern poetry or poetry that, uh, that is born today is substantially different from um, the poetry uh, of old? Or are you saying that good poetry is good poetry is good poetry? And it isn't any well, different. I don't. I don't. Um, I don't like to, to use the term uh, good poetry because good poetry presupposes uh, bad poetry. <laughs> yes. uh, the thing is that um, you can't put a, a value on anyone's uh, a poem, mm. uh, assuming that a poem comes from the heart of an individual. Mm. That is all that matters. Yeah. Far be it from me to judge. Um, what is uh, acceptable poetry or what isn't if, if a poem is coming deep down uh, from within someone's heart. Mm -hmm. And so um, the only thing I can say about the poetry of old as opposed to the poetry of today mm -hmm. is that the poetry of old was more literary. It, 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 uh, well, if you go way back um, uh, to uh, uh, the classical era, um, poetry was basically spoken out loud to, to an audience, and it was essentially storytelling. Um, it was basically uh, capturing the, the, the history of a people and presenting that history. It was done through oral tradition, and so it was a maintenance of a people's history. Mm -hmm. um, and then over time, it became more literary. Uh, it was written and, and, and read. But today, I think today the focus is more on the, the word spoken. Um, slam poetry and, and, and the spoken word thing um, that uh, is being done today. And so there's an evolution uh, that is taking place, regardless of whether it's literary, whether it's oral tradition, whether it's slam poetry or, or otherwise. Um, the essential thing is that it is coming from that, from that well, wellspring of emotion, 
from a particular human individual who's communicating to the rest of the individuals out there. Right. Well, Rick, um, the, the main difference there, Rick, is that the, 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 the poetry of old compared to now, is the, the imagination here is, 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 is right in your face, what it is that one wants or desires. You know, there's no um, feeble way of putting it out there. It's in your face, it's what it is, and, um, you know, you, 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 you sometimes have to be, you know, instead of not being bashful about it, it, it it's what it is. It, it's there. Uh, I have no, you know, no problem, uh, as I said, with uh, the poetry of old, poetry of today, poetry of the middle period. Um, poetry is poetry. It's what we do. You know, it's, um, it's, it's compressed emotions. We put it out there. We let it go. We lost to everyone else after that. And we go make more poetry. You know, that's, that's the bottom line. <laughs> We're listening to Rick Couchman and Brian Morrison at the Poets Roundtable series. This is episode two, Sex, Suffering, and Spirituality. Episode one, Not Another Love Poem, featured Host B. Randall, producer of In the Words of a Sister. Now it is wrapping up its sixth season on May 9th, 7.30 p.m., at the Black Academy of Arts and Letters in Dallas, Texas. Those are some phenomenal sisters. Hear ye, hear ye, hear ye. So hurry out to see them in this, the last show of the sixth season, May 9th, 7.30 p.m., the Black Academy of Arts and Letters. It is time for this week's standing question. Here it is. If the great poet of all poets, the supreme poet, has just written three poems, one of which is a poem of your life at this moment, which of those three poems is the poem of you? The poem about a leaf? The poem about a puddle? Or the poem about a stick. Yes, if the great poet of all poets, the supreme poet, has just written three poems, one of which is a poem of your life at this moment, which of those three poems is the poem of you? The poem about a leaf, the poem about a puddle, or the poem about a stick. We touched upon sex in today's poetry as, as compared to poetry of old. What about suffering and spirituality? If we were to sample the broad body of work out there, do we sense that these play a very real or substantial part in today's poetry? Well, the human individual uh, from the 
the time that humans were first uh, inhabiting uh, the earth has always been um, uh, an individual of passion. We're talking about love, sex, all that kind of thing. An individual who uh, experienced uh, suffering and pain. And an individual um, uh, who related to some uh, superior being uh, up there. So has always been a spiritual being and has always been a suffering being. There's never going to be a dearth of poems uh, that focus on human suffering and uh, on, on human spirituality or any such like. It's part of, of our makeup. It's part of who we are. Um, whether it's a spirituality that relates to uh, you know, Christianity, Islam, or whatever it is, um, or, or, or atheism, uh, as it were, um, you are going to get uh, those expressions uh, from individuals. And so, um, yes, it is absolutely a part of, of our experience. And so by definition, it will infuse uh, our poetry. It does infuse uh, today's uh, poetry. Um, you see poets constantly writing about human suffering, uh, uh, talking about uh, the establishment and the way the, the establishment is causing suffering to many people. People are, are questioning um, their relationship to the universe, to the rest of the world, um, to some superior being, um, always asking that question uh, as to their place in this world. And that's a spiritual um, uh, thing. And so yes, uh, you know, it, it plays a very important part. As a matter of fact, I have uh, one here that um, I, would, I would like to read that I, I think uh, falls more along the line of the spiritual um, and the title of this poem is uh, The Question. And shall I then dare ask the burning question for so long frozen within my restless soul, imbuing my tongue with aching numbness and igniting that rabid percussion in my chest? And must I lose this transient and uneasy peace which when bloodstains adorn pages dull and musty, or memory's pain escapes its weighty chains, like shadows ruthlessly torn from the bodies of the dead? And shall I then proceed with the transaction, or accept the inevitable, or negotiate a deferment, a compromise, knowing well that choice in reality does not exist? but that it is just the foggy, elusive dreams of fools? And must I, without argument, embrace your terms, walking away, wringing my hands in mournful dejection, like a canine chased off with its tail between its legs and complaining about the gross unfairness of it all? And can I will that this be nothing but a withered dream trapped in a ticket like the substitution for a sacrifice? a weary dream in which life begins to die as soon as it is born and begins to live as soon as it dies or is no more? And after all is done, shall I dare ask the question, in process bearing my soul, exposing my vulnerabilities, risking the eternal summons, the dark confrontation, and in the end, will he be bold enough to answer? Will he be open? to a compromise.
your poem provokes so many other questions. <laughs> that I know, <laughs> but that's the whole idea. It's, it's called the question. Right. And you're right. It, it provokes uh, 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 further questions. Yes. Good. But that's what I'm talking about. This right. this confrontation with the with the infinite. Yes. You know, because we don't know squat. <laughs> we have we we know we know some things, but we do know. Um, is within the limits or within the spheres of our own particular experiences. But beyond that, we don't know. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to ask the question. Mm -hmm. Now, don't come to me looking for answers, because I don't have any, but I'm going to ask the question, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and, and not only that, Rick, we have to also be open to, you know, every and any question that, that, that might be asked. Right. And, and, and with that, Rick, I want to follow up with... Um, you know, a piece called uh, World Boss, as it relates to um, spirituality and religion. So yeah. Could you repeat the title, please? It's called World Boss. Mm -hmm. B-O-S-S, World Boss. Mm -hmm. Six long days, man's creator did set Earth's equator. Miraculously in a hurry, oceans and heavens scurry. For I and I to fathom his is indeed awesome. So rebuke and criticize. Religion, keep your baptized. I'm not an angry atheist, nor a thirsting theist. Just a functioning brain in a skeletal frame, church fails to tame, of which no shame. writing these, that particular poem, yours, um, uh, Rick, and yours, Brian, what motivates or plugs those set of words and thoughts out of you at that particular moment? Well, all right, I'll, Rick, I'll go first. Go ahead. Uh, I was giving a, a Bible by a friend, um, and as I was reading, I, I, I realized that the... the um, the Bible started off with the seven days, you know, of, of, of you know what what God supposedly did in those seven days. And I remember saying to my friend that for some reason it's very unsettling for me because I have so many questions in terms of you know how it led to that beginning, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And that's when I sat down and I and I wrote this piece, you know, sort of questioning what happened on day one, day two, and just to say in my own, own, own way that, you know, um, I have a big problem or question where that's concerned. And, and you know, if, if you want to rebuke me or criticize me, go ahead, but I'm going to be asking and, and, and you know, and putting up these, these um, questions as, as I see it. So are you expecting the listener or the reader of that poem to just share your concern at that time, or to provide an answer, or is, or what's the intent once that it's written? The, the intent is there is a lot of people who have this the same concern that 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 that, that the poet has. Yeah. So, so by, by putting it out there, it is saying like, look, you know, I'm not alone in all of this. Uh, yeah. But my take on that is is pretty different because um, I'm putting it out there. Uh, 
basically because I can't help but put it out there. Um, I'm not putting it out there for anybody to, to do any particular thing with it. Um, because, you know, once I put, put my poem uh, out there, it's not mine anymore. And people can uh, read it, view it, uh, understand it uh, any way uh, they please. Um, I have absolutely no control over that. But coming to the question of, of what, what would spark that, it's uh, some very, very simple things, actually. Um, it's not that I'm sitting there, you know, thinking of some uh, really es esoteric uh, thoughts or, or, you know, something, some deep struggle is going on within me, as it were. Though um, there are those occasions that would uh, generate kinds of poems that anyone could write. But sometimes it's just a simple thing. And then, uh, like, uh, for example, um, overhearing a conversation between uh, two individuals, and one individual seems to be the one who seems to have all the answers and seems to know everything and, and, and is carrying on as if he or she knows everything. And then, um, you know, I'm, I'm not critiquing the individual or anything like that, but then it raises, you know, well, it raises for me the question, well, how does one know, you know? Um, uh, how can one be sure? And so, I, in my own mind, I have, I'm having a conversation with myself, and then I go off into another tangent, and all kinds of other thoughts uh, start to come about. And then, from just one thing, bang, the question. And then I wonder, what that? What is that question? Mm. And then I, I, I sort of focus in on, on on my own experience, and and then of course the the words just start to flow, and then I can't hold them back. I don't know where they're coming from, and then bang, you know. A poem is produced, mm. and I have no idea what just happened. Mm. So for me, that's 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 my experience. I'm sure for others, it's uh, pretty different. But no, but no uh, process of of creating uh, a piece, whether it's poetry or or a piece of art or a piece of sculpture or a piece of music or whatever. Um, the artist, uh, we don't all have the same uh, experience. It's unique and, and different, and that's the beauty of it. So in, in a nutshell, uh, sometimes I, I know where it's coming from. Sometimes I have absolutely no clue. That's true. So true. Same here, Ari. Yeah. yeah. There is one on suffering. You know, we we talked about suffering, and um, uh, there was one that I that I wanted to um, uh, share. Please. Do. Uh, since yeah, and it's called a declaration of hope. Now. I'm not going to say much more uh, than this, that uh, while, yes, this speaks to human suffering, there's also a spiritual aspect uh, to this poem that uh, I am not at liberty to share, but anyone who has access to it can really look at it and examine it, and they will notice something really uh, profound as far as spirituality is concerned, but that's for those individuals to find out. I've done my job, but I'm going to uh, share it with you guys. It's called A Declaration of Hope. The new year appeared suddenly, holding tenuously its turbulent wake, ever disappearing and aborted promises, empty resolutions already forgotten. The pain, my constant companion, etched its unseen marks mercilessly, reawakening feelings of resentment, nurturing hopelessness and hatred, and leaving in its trail a dull apathy. Lofty aspirations lie in the dust, 
ground underfoot and discarded, onerous to bear in the desolate void, diagnosis feeding deathly despair. In languid, littered streets below, sated revelers reluctantly slink away, mere silhouettes and echoes of being, yesterday's dewdrops dried up by the sun, refusing to accept vaporous impermanence. Evaporated dreams and futile longing forming an impregnable alliance, unseating vain hope and eroding certainty, giving the scepter to the, deep, to the dreaded malady. Emptied of hope, this tyrant I embrace, accepting the inevitable, waving the flag. No negotiation necessary, for by pain coerced, defeated, once the news was first received. Misty-eyed, I gaze wistfully out the window, yearning for significance, so slithery and elusive, searching for some vindication for existence. Then I saw myself standing on the platform's edge, recalling the little girl looking softly at me, entreating me tenderly with soft black eyes. No words uttered, but everything said in that look. Grimly, I surveyed the luminescence, silence before me, taking little notice of the pain's pitiful onslaught, holding on, holding on, though by a threat, to one singular thought. I really um, uh, say what's the uh, the context behind uh, uh, my poems, mm. and but this particular poem um, was written because a friend of mine uh, um, shared with me that uh, she was uh, diagnosed with uh, with cancer, mm. and this was a young woman in her prime, mm. um, and uh, I was devastated. Uh, by that, and I could imagine how she felt. Mm -hmm. And I tried to put myself uh, in her shoes. Mm -hmm. And basically, um, uh, that poem uh, was the outcome of of my thinking about her and her situation. Mm -hmm. uh, thankfully, she 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 uh, had gotten uh, treated uh, for it, and it's um, uh, being taken care of. I haven't spoken to her in a while, but uh, things were going uh, very well for her. Thanks, Neville. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. may I ask, um, does, did she see the poem or hear the poem, or? Is she I shared it with her. I shared it with her. Wonderful. Which is one of the what, what? This is not something I usually do, but I I called her and I told her that I had I'd written a poem that wow. is based on what she had shared with me, mm -hmm. and uh, if it were okay for me to share it with her, um, she was very touched by it. Um, and uh, it, it was a special time, actually, to, mm -hmm. to know that. I think this was the first time I was connecting a poem with someone other than um, people from within my own circle. Mm. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. So you see, there is use for poets. <laughs> ah, <laughs> next question. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I, huh? I relevant to poetry, right? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs>
pick up a copy of Rick's book, Musings from Outside the Universal, from Amazon.com. He has referred all of his proceeds to the Robert Louis Stevenson School. You can, of course, download, share, or embed on your favorite websites or social networks our continuing Poets Roundtable series and other series on the journey. Download your favorite episodes from iTunes or from Block Talk Radio. That's blogtalkradio.com slash the journey. There is a dash between the and journey. Or from blueberry.com or from SoundCloud. You can find more details about our participating poets from Rio Sports Radio. That's at riosports.com. Click on poetry. Or from matchboxmystery.wordpress.com. Click on poets. Or from the Velvet Door on Tumblr and other favorite platforms. In our continuing series, you will meet amazing poets, including Alex Spoken Word Frazier, Priscilla Rice, Selah, Rodney Garza, X-Blue Rain, Samuel Mann, and many more poets. During the series, we will also be broadcasting live performances from the Oak Cliff Cultural Center, Verse and Rhythm. And don't forget... May 9th at the Black Academy of Arts and Letters. Enjoy In the Words of a Sister, produced and hosted by B. Randall. Here is Michael, Mr. Humanity, Gwyn. If I could capture a rainbow, I'd wrap you in my favorite colors and paint you perfect. And if you truly knew you the way I do, you'd know why I'd get down on my hands and knees, reach inside my soul, gather moonbeams and starlight, arrange them in a beautiful bouquet, place them at your feet and say, I grew those for you. And every day all I do is think of ways to do and say more than I did the day before to tell you how much I miss you. And right now all I want to do, all I ever want to do is to take you Tuesday. Wake you Wednesday, put your Thursdays till Friday, then sit Saturday sipping your Sundays till Monday. You see, I just want to love you daily. Yeah. I want you to get sprung in the spring, sizzle in the summer, feast on me falling, calling as you and I anticipate the autumn and get bumped wild with a waste in winter because my love is all the season you need. I want you to go crazy as I slide off your January, pull down your February, March, right in between your Aprils as May becomes June. And your July lays naked in the August of my September till you remember that October was when my naughty November eased inside your delicious December. Listen, all I'm trying to say is I want to love you every day. See you next week.